0: Well, in this season of December, is it crazy to think that, that we're in December? Um, You know, we are diving into the Christmas season, and me and my wife have this little debate, and I want to get a uh, consensus opinion about what people think. And she thinks that Christmas music should be played before Thanksgiving. And I want to see real quickly who in the room believes that so would you raise your hand proudly if you think that before things oh lord listen the altars open afterwards the lord is working up here there is transformation freedom is found we've been having this little debate, but in the season of Christmas, I uh, love to see everything that happens, right? Uh, the streets are now, they're, they're filled with, with, uh, with snowflakes, and they're filled with lights all over the place, and people decorate their houses. Don't raise your hand and don't look at anybody. Don't let anybody know. If you keep your decorations, your lights up way past Christmas, don't. Don't look. Don't do anything. But this is a season where we're planning family gatherings. We're buying gifts and trying to get, you know, Good Friday deals. We're spending time with family, filling the stockings, putting up our trees. And in this season, it's very easy to miss the importance of what Christmas is really about, right? And as I am a pastor's kid raising a Christian home, I'm a PK, which means I'm a, a pastor's kid raising that home, I remember Christmas was like the one day out of the year that I would wake up early. <laughs> you wake up, you're so excited, you could barely sleep thinking about all the gifts that you have in front of you, and you run downstairs, you're like, Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad, it's 6 a.m., can we go, can we go? They're like, don't even talk to me, it's, I need 8 a.m., bare minimum. And when you finally get the whole family around the tree, I the hot chocolates on the stove, tamales in the microwave waiting for you to reheat them from the night before. Can I get an amen? As we're in this time, you know, my dad, it almost felt like he would, like, torture us a little bit, like how long he drew out the fact before we opened our gifts. So we'd all sit down around the tree, and my dad would say, Hey, listen, as tradition, I'm going to open up the Bible. Listen, I love the Bible. Love Bible stories. Not right before gifts, though. And I'm not kidding. I mean, sometimes it felt like when he opened up that Bible, like he's like, "Let's start all the way in Genesis. In the beginning was..." God. I'm like, "We're trying to get to these gifts open here. I can see that thing is moving a little bit. I'm trying to open that gift already." And it would just be like he'd be, he'd finish. We're like, Are "We ready? Are we done?" Be like, "Let's go to one more passage in the Bible." I mean, we were getting a full Bible breakdown on Christmas morning. But my dad was very intentional that before we got into the gifts or ate the amazing food that's associated with Christmas, uh, before we really enjoyed some of the good and the gifts from the day, he wanted to make sure that we really understood the true importance of the Christmas Day celebration. He wanted to make clear to us that Christmas is the celebration of Jesus' birth. Family and friends, gifts, uh, great food is always a plus, and that's one of the things we should enjoy. But if we go by through Christmas without understanding the importance of the birth of Jesus and celebrating that, we've missed Christmas altogether. And so as we dive into this passage that's going to help us understand the importance of this Christmas season, but more importantly, the birth of Christ, I believe this will add so much more value to the meaning and the depth of what Christmas really means as we gather together on the 25th. Join me in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We're taking notes this morning. Write this down. Number one, the birth of Jesus is important because Jesus is unlike anyone else. This passage of Scripture is deeply theological. This is not one of those passages you just stick your toe in. This is a jump full into it. The depth of understanding that we get from God, revealed to us through Scripture by God, helps to grow our faith and understand the true meaning of Christmas. Hear me clearly. You cannot understand and celebrate Christmas as we should, the birth of Jesus, unless you understand the importance of the person, Jesus. See, if Jesus isn't that important to you, then his birthday will not be that important to you. And Jesus' value is talked about all in this passage. Jesus is unlike anyone else because in the beginning was the Word, which is a title for Jesus. Well, anytime you see the Word in this passage, you can replace it with Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and, the, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. When this passage says that Jesus, or in the beginning was the word this is a deeply uh, a deeply theological idea what scripture's telling us is that Jesus is eternal Jesus has no beginning no start date he has always existed and he will always exist this passage amen before creation and before time, Jesus existed. So, connected back to Christmas in our understanding that the birth of Jesus was not his beginning. Because Jesus has never had a beginning. The moment that Jesus was in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit and he was growing week by week which I've become very familiar with is my wife is pregnant right now. Carolina has a little sign on the uh, kitchen table that says, Our baby, Baby Joe, is the size of a uh, blueberry. I think we're up to an apple now. And every week, every day when I come into the house, I am reminded of, Our little baby is growing week by week by week and eventually it will be a watermelon, and, you know, that's going to be crazy. (laughs) Jesus, in the womb of Mary, who was a young woman, think about this, was God the Eternal One. Ancient of days is one of the words, descriptions of Him in the Bible. The Alpha and the Omega, the creator of the universe, was in the form and in the body of a baby in the womb of Mary who was most likely a teenager. It's hard to comprehend for a moment and think that God would allow himself to come into the by the power of the Holy Spirit, but the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon Mary and she's now pregnant with baby Jesus, the one who created the world. Is now his body is being created, knit together in the womb of Mary. Jesus, even when he was just a baby in her womb, was the eternal one. Before he took his first breath, he had already existed. Not only that, John moves on here and tells us that Jesus is unlike anyone else because. It says the Word was with God. Not only was Jesus and is Jesus eternal, but Jesus has a special relationship as the Son with God the Father. This points to a doctrine that we call the doctrine of the Trinity, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible is clearly telling us that there is a distinction here between God the Father and God the Son. And yet at the same time, there is one God with three persons. The picture that I like, and I'm not going to go too much into this because our minds will all explode at the same time. But the picture and the story in the Bible that best captures the essence of the Trinity, where we see all three persons of the triune Godhead, is Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. It says, this is the moment that Jesus is getting baptized. Hear all three persons here. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, person one. Suddenly the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God, Holy Spirit, spirit of of God descending like a dove and resting on him, person two. Person three, here it is. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And you won't see the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible, but you see it over and over and over again through stories like Matthew chapter 6, which is Jesus' baptism, you see the picture of God, Jesus' relationship as the Son with both the Holy Spirit and also the Father. The best illustration in the way that my dad explained it to me many years ago when I was a uh, young boy trying to wrap my mind around a concept that is very difficult still to wrap your mind around is the picture of water, or H2O. And it's not a perfect illustration of the Trinity, but I, I'll share it anyways, where water has three different forms, but yet it's still water. You have a liquid form, still water. You have a gas form, still water. Still, The molecules are still the same, H2O. And H2O can also be in the form of solid, right? Solid, liquid, and gas—they're all different forms, but it's still water. John is helping us understand the uniqueness of Jesus, saying, "Listen, Jesus is not only the, uh, not only eternal, but he also has a distinct relationship with God the Father." And then John points us even beyond that, and he, he wants to make it really clear for us, just in case. We didn't understand the importance of who Jesus was. Just in case we kind of missed it in his fact that he's eternal and has always been, John just writes it out plainly for us and says, The Word was God. Jesus is God. He's not just a good teacher, even though he had some great teachings. He's not just a prophet, even though he embodied a lot of those, a lot of those characteristics. Uh, he's not just a religious figure or the most important historical figure of all times. That alone would be something to study him and know his significance. But all of that is trumped by the fact that Jesus made the claim that he was God. You cannot choose to be a follower of Jesus and reject his deity. You can appreciate his teachings. You can tweet his comments. But you cannot be a follower of Jesus in the way that the Bible defines it unless you're willing to embrace the identity that Jesus self-describes himself as as God. People say, well, Jesus never verbatim said in the New Testament that he was God. Listen, that is a misreading of the text to the highest degree. Multiple times in the New Testament, Jesus says something claiming deity without saying the exact words that I am God. People pick up stones and it says they were ready to kill him. Do you know why? Because in Jesus' day, to claim that you were God meant that you could be killed. For To say that was blasphemy. And there's multiple times in the Bible that the most religious people are blind to the reality of who Jesus is and it's those people that are trying to deny and put down and reject the deity of Jesus. Christmas gains a lot more significance when you realize that the birth we are celebrating is a birth that has never occurred before and will never occur again. That it is the birth of the eternal God who has a relationship with a father that is distinct, who is God himself and was born of the Virgin Mary, when we understand the significance of that added with the next verse, it it keeps adding to the importance of it. Verse 3 reminds us, through him, or Jesus, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. See, Jesus is God, and he is the creator of all things. The Bible says that God knit us in our mother's wombs. God has been involved in your life before you ever took your first breath and walked your first step. God is intimately involved in your life and the Bible says he knows the very hair count on your head that's a little too intimate <laughs> God is concerned with your well-being he cares about you from the very beginning we see in the garden of eden god created us to have relationship with other humans but also more importantly relationship with him and he is the creator of everything that we've ever experienced and ever seen You know, any time that I want my mind blown to kind of, like, help me understand God the creator, I just watch Planet Earth. Ever watch Planet Earth? And you're like, first, that guy's voice, David Attenborough, is like, if you just look at the donkey, (laughs) look at the hair of the donkey, it's made so beautiful. It's like, I'm just enthralled by his voice to start off with. But as he's pulling back, he's gone to these places that I'll probably never go to in my life, and he's he's talking about insects, and he's talking about animals, and he's talking about caves, and he's talking about valleys, he's talking about mountains, he's talking about, and you're just he's just pulling back to creation. I'll tell you what, it's hard not to see the beauty of the creator when you look at the creation. I talk with people before, and they're like, I'm not religious. I just kind of like to go out in nature, and I feel closer to God or the universe. I go, yeah, because anybody does. When I go into the Art Institute and I go into an exhibit of one of the artists, I feel closer to the artist when I see the artist's creations on the wall, when I read about the description of what they were trying to create. When I see the beauty of the work, it points to the artist that's behind it. When you see the beauty of nature, when you see the magnitude of mountains, When you see the depths of the valley and the beauty of the colors of the sky, how can we deny that there is a creator who has created something so beautiful in its time? And right before we move on to this, I just want to read one more verse before we move on to the second important reason because this is important. This is the essence of life. If you're here this morning, and maybe you don't know this Jesus that I talk about, and I'll tell you what: here's what I can guarantee: a life apart from Jesus is a life. Is a life that ultimately, at the end of it, is an empty life. It's an empty life. There may be momentary success. There may be momentary flashes. But even the mo- I've been around some incredibly successful people who don't know Jesus I mean zeros and zeros and zeros next to their name and I'll tell you what the the one of the common denominators I've seen between people of, that don't know Jesus remember you're poor or you're rich there is an emptiness that follows I've seen people talking with somebody not too long ago And they've accumulated a lot of uh, money in a a short period of their life at a young age. And I'll tell you what, a lot of times people's lives don't match up with their Instagram accounts. When you get into the details and you pull back, you take a step back from the highlights that we all post that everything's always good, I'll tell you what, I've seen some people that from the outside on their Instagram, they look real good. But because I'm a pastor, I get an inside conversation to how their life's actually going. And I'll tell you, People, money, money, money is not a bad thing. But money and possessions does not lead to the fullness of life. <laughs> Success, position, sex, properties, wealth, acclaim, fame does not lead to the fullness that each and every one of us ultimately look for. In those late nights when we lay up and think, what is the meaning of all of this? There is a meaning behind it. And John points to that life that we're looking for. And here's where he says it's found. In him was life. The life that you and I are looking for is ultimately found in the essence of Jesus And when you look at the language here, he says, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This life, this light that is Jesus, it's who he is, is not biological life on itself, even though all life comes from God. What this word means, they use a different word in the original language to capture the idea for us to understand. He's talking about the essence or the principle of life in itself is found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And if Jesus is the life, and if Jesus is the light, which we see in 1 John, then apart from Jesus, a life away from Jesus we are dead and in darkness we're lost searching for some type of meaning in our own power which works for the short term but it always overpromises and underdelivers i'll tell you what when you turn your life to Jesus and you find him that is life when you find the water that is him, that you don't get thirsty again when you drink it. You will want nothing else. Because all the old things that used to satisfy will leave you empty in the end just as they did before because in Jesus is found life. Let me continue on here. If you're taking notes, write this down. The birth of Jesus is important. We're going to move quick here. Number two, because the creator... The creator entered into creation. We've just talked about how Jesus is described in Scripture as the author of life, the creator of everything. And that creator decided and chose to enter into his creation. Listen to verse 9. The true light, referring to Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This was the moment that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, do you know that in the text, and we actually have these scrolls, I've seen Isaiah in Israel, the one, some of the original scrolls of this, hundreds of years old, it's laid out in one of the museums, that Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus was ever born, and it predicts clearly to the point the birth of Jesus. And you see that in a bunch of different prophetic books that are dated, that are dated hundreds of years. Why? Because Jesus was po- God was pointing to a moment in future history where Jesus would be born. And people before his birth were waiting for that moment to happen. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. One of the translations says he came home. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, this is a verse that the original readers, even in that time, would have read and had their minds blown. The Word became flesh, human, took on human nature and made his dwelling among us. Jesus here at one particular moment in time enters history by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary had never slept with Joseph, her soon-to-be husband, before at this point. But this was not a birth that happened by human origins. This was a birth that happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. People say, I just don't understand how that can happen. How can somebody have a baby that's born if, there wasn't, if she wasn't having sex? That's why it's called a miracle. All-powerful God, eternal, who created the entire universe. Okay, yeah. So a miracle, power of the Holy Spirit comes upon the Virgin Mary. And from that point, she hadn't slept with Joseph yet. He thought about leaving her but decided that he wouldn't at that point to not embarrass her or shame her and because the Lord told him to stay with her. And she carried this little baby in her womb for nine months and after nine months gave birth to the Savior that the world was looking for. The true light, the true light was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and, and it says that Jesus was in the world. But here's what's so crazy. Even though that we as the creation were made in his image, even though that we were made by him, And we can see his creation all around us. The people that were alive in Jesus' day, for the most part, did not recognize that he was God. Even his own disciples struggled with the fact that Jesus was God at different points. And they walked and lived closely with him for years. See, Jesus would ask his disciples, what, who do they say that I am? And they would answer, we, they think, he's, you think you're a prophet, they think you're this, they think you're that. And then he'd ask a far more important question that I asked to you this morning. He'd say, but who do you say I am? Hey, the world wants to put Jesus as this, and they want to put Jesus as that, and they want to box him in as just another religious person with some good things. Hey, you base your life on him. You base your life on that person. You choose. It's all good. Same path all leads to the same thing. That's not the claim of the Bible. Jesus' claim is that he is God and that he is the only way to salvation. He says, I am the way. Not one of the ways. He says, I am the truth. And he says, I am the life. And that nobody will inherit eternal life apart from him. He is the true light that illuminates all of our darkness. He is the true light that illuminates our sinfulness. He is the true light that illuminates the path that we need. He is the true light that illuminates the truth that we need. He is the true light that illuminates our desperate need for a God to wash us of our brokenness and our sin. He is the true light of the world that came because without him, we would forever be lost in our own dark. See, Christmas is not about the lights on a tree, but it's about the light of the world. It's about the light of Jesus entering into our brokenness when we needed him most to make a way to pay the price for our sins on the cross and to resurrect after three days because he was God. And the grave couldn't hold him in the ground. You know, when I was, when I came back, I was working this job during, during school, and I was doing fire hydrants. Odd job, but it paid the bills. And I was working this fire, I was doing 80 hours a week, doing all these hours, traveling to different states and blasting and painting. And, and um, you know, I came back home, and it was the first time that I'd really grown a beard, like a good, thick, theological beard. And I had lost a lot of weight. It was just hours and hours and hours of drink, 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 Gatorade, Gatorade, Gatorade. And when I came back home, my parents saw me. They obviously they, hopefully they recognized me when I came in. But I never forget because this only happened one time. This dog, our little dog Angel, who we had for like 16 years. She would, like, run, and, like, we had wood floors, so she'd, like, slide it, like, almost like she was drifting, like, on the wood floor, and she, like, turned the corner from the kitchen to look at me coming in from the garage. She took a step or two forward, and then she looked at me, didn't recognize me, and started to back up. And I was like, Angel, come on, c- come here, Angel, it's me. And she was, like, the voice was, like, connecting, but, like, the, you look like a stranger, so She's like, t- I'm not even kidding. She was taking steps back like this. I've never even seen a dog move like that before, like that, in a natural way. Say, like, come out of her spirit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but she didn't recognize me because my appearance was different than she had thought it would be. It was different than the last time she saw me. She didn't recognize my appearance even though I was the person that has played with her and, you know, held her and petted her and put her outside for years and years and years. And, you know, what this passage tells us is that if you don't recognize God, you will reject God. If you don't recognize that Jesus is God, that he's the way, he is the truth, he is the solution that we need, it's easy to reject Jesus as just another thing out there. I'm not really into religion. Yeah, yeah, Jesus works for you. It's not for me. Because if you don't recognize the light as being the light, if you don't recognize Jesus as being life, and he's just something else, then it's easy to disregard Jesus. And I really believe it's a spiritual thing for people, for when God helps us understand Jesus for who he really is. you Maybe you've heard about Jesus for years. Maybe you've said a thousand times, but there's just a moment. And I've heard a lot of our stories in this room of people that rejected, rejected, yeah, Jesus is. We've had, we've had, we had a, a brother uh, who they live in Texas now. I just went to be with him not too long ago. And they were here for 20 years. And his wife came to Christ here, and he was a detective, and he was not on the Jesus train. And he came here trying to investigate the church and disprove, you know, the church and Jesus and all this stuff. And after so much time of him being around, he's trying to disprove it. He's trying to pull his wife back. He thought this was a cult and all this different thing, you know, as a detective, Chicago detective. After, he just kept hearing the word, and the gospel was being preached. And God was allowing him surely, slowly but surely, to see the truth of who Jesus was. A guy who came in to disprove the church and Jesus has now been a Christian for more than 20 years and was part of our church until they moved down to be in Texas. That's what I'm talking about. If you don't recognize who Jesus is, you will never receive him into your heart. You will never make a decision to follow him. But once you recognize who Jesus is, and you choose to believe in his name and receive him into your heart, your life will never be the same. And there are (laughs) testimonies and stories all over this room of different people who were prayed for and prayed for for years and years and years, and God opened their eyes to finally recognize and see who his son Jesus was, and they've received him. And that's why we do baptisms for people that were lost, in their darkness and dead spiritually, who finally heard the message of the gospel and received what Jesus has done on their behalf. And now they're taking a public decision to show their commitment and their transformation to Jesus. And we're gonna move on to the third point here, but I wanna say this when you believe in Jesus' name, what this verse says is you have the right, the privilege. Not everybody has the right and the privilege, but you have the right and the privilege to be children of God. Not just a friend of God, because that's given to you. Uh, Not just washed by God, because that would be enough. But God actually adopts you into his family. God says, I want such a close relationship with you. I don't just want to be your friend. I want to adopt you into my own family. And so when you come to Christ, you're not just washed and cleansed or a friend. You are actually a child of God. You have the right and the privilege of calling him Father. (laughs) Abba is the biblical term. That when I pray to God, And I'm alone. I pray to him as my dad, as my father. And that's not just poetic language that's speaking to a reality that God has given me the right to proclaim. I am a child of God and no one can take that away from me. My eternity is set in heaven. I have citizenship to a place that I have never visited before. He has bought me and redeemed me, cleansed me from all of my sin. Even though I sin and fall sometimes, God's grace and forgiveness and blood is enough for all of our sins, past, present, and future. We are washed by the blood of the Lamb. His sacrifice is enough for us. We need a spiritual rebirth, and I finish with this verse. Number three, the birth of Jesus is important because, because Jesus showed us the heart of God. You know, some people, they say, I just, how can you know? Spiritual conversations with people that aren't spiritual or they don't follow Jesus, there are some, and they just say, well, I just, I don't think anybody can know. I don't think anybody can know. And there are things about God that we can't know that are not revealed to us, that are a mystery. There's things that we still don't have the full picture of, but I'll tell you this. When Jesus was born here on earth and he lived the perfect life, we have a picture of the heart of God. Some people think that God is angry with them and he's ready to smite them. But when I study the scripture and I pull back the pages and I just flip through the pages of scripture to try to understand this heart of God, I'll tell you what I see. I see a heart that has compassion for the least of these. I see Jesus when all these people, the mob is around this adulterous woman who's just cheated and they all have stones. And I see Jesus step into the picture, protecting this woman who at that time it would have been right to stone her. They would have been okay in that action. Yet Jesus steps in the way of the fire. He says, if anyone else hasn't sinned, be the first to throw the stone. People start dropping the stones. For a woman that Jesus didn't even know. But he stepped in. He stepped in. I see Jesus step into the middle of his disciples as they have fear because the waves are crushing and crashing over the boat. And they think that they're going st- to sink. And Jesus wakes up from his nap and tells the storm to be quiet. And the storm is quiet. I see a God of power was power over the waves, was power over our storms. I see a God in the Bible when I look to him who was God the creator, who made the stars and the sky with his hands, and yet he got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet, telling them that the greatest would be the least and the least would be the greatest and that they were called to be Servants. And he modeled humility. The God of the universe modeled humility when he got on his knees and washed his creation's feet. I see the heart of God when I look at Jesus crying in the Garden of Gethsemane, which I've been to, it's still there in Israel. Tears of blood asking that this cup would pass before him, knowing what it means to be beat. Knowing what it means to suffer on the cross. And at any moment on the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels. Any moment. And yet he remained on the cross and died on our behalf so that we could be made children of God. When I see through the pages of scripture by the life that Jesus lived, I see the heart of a God that I want to mirror. A God that I want to get close to, a God that I want to know, a God that I want to be a living sacrifice for and give all that I am my talents, my abilities, my resources, my thoughts. I want Him to have everything that is me because He gave everything for me. I see the heart of God through the life of Jesus. And even His own disciples missed a lot of this. In John chapter 14, Philip said to Him, one of His disciples, Lord, this is after he's walking with Jesus for a long time. Lord, show us God the Father. He's talking to Jesus, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus responds to him, just in case you missed it, listen to Jesus' words. Jesus responds to him Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You, you want to know what God the Father is like? Look at Jesus the Son. The Bible says he is the exact representation of God the Father. You want to know what God's heart's life, the one who's created? Look at Jesus. Because God took on at one point in humanity for a short period of time, for about 30-something years, he was born of a virgin, lived a, a human life, fully God and fully man, and died on the cross, and we have a picture of the heart of God through his actions. And through his word, Jesus brought both grace and truth. And that's what the word says. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but what came through Jesus? Grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known.